testing. This is bottom shelf. My name is Sophia. My name is Maeve. So this is based very roughly, so that we don't insult anybody. (laughs) This is based roughly on uh, Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast by Anne Friedman and Aminatu So. Though I think we're trying to target this towards a younger audience. Yeah. Not that Call Your Girlfriend isn't applicable to a younger audience. We're just trying to find our niche. Yeah, so, I mean, what what are our goals for this podcast? So I think we are going to talk about a lot of things, because in general we talk about a lot of things. We want to reflect our current interests, share them with a wider audience. An outlet for maybe people who are younger than us to ask questions or get information on topics they're curious about. Great. Because as college students living in D.C., we have access to and are constantly surrounded by a lot of different outlets, not just for news, but for all forms of media. And so we are hoping to become an outlet for people who don't necessarily have the resources or the free time that we have. Okay, so the name of our podcast is Bottom Shelf. I think the rationale behind that is that we wanted to sort of have a self-deprecating name. Although we're striving to recreate a top shelf podcast. We are titling it Bottom Shelf because it's like a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. Um, we want to we want to acknowledge that there's you know there's a level of narcissism in you know expecting that people want to listen to the sound of our voices for forty five minutes, and I think we hopefully though we're going to cover a lot of topics, you know we want to you know highbrow lowbrow culture. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Or it'll just you know come from the bottom shelf of. You know, all media outlets and all topics. The world's worst podcast. It's the world's <laughs> worst podcast. That's our tagline. So what are we currently consuming is the big question. Many things. Many things. Media-wise, to clarify, but food-wise, yes. Food-wise, always. always. Um... Media things. Well, I guess other than my Twitter obsession, which I do want to come back to because it relates to my new music obsession. Oh, you can always come back to Twitter because it rules our lives. <laughs> which is so sad that I only got my Twitter this summer and it has truly just taken Twitter is like my time. main like news source. I know. I used to wake up and read BBG, BBC and Al Jazeera every morning. Scroll and now through I your wake up and just scroll through my Twitter. It's excellent. It makes me, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. So a book that I'm reading right now is by one of my favorite authors, um, and this is her most recent publication. I think it's from 2014. It's called This Changes Everything. It's by Naomi Klein. It's her, I guess her climate change book is what I would call it. It's um, and like it's like capitalism yeah, and climate change. Yeah, capitalism versus the climate is the subtitle. And basically, Naomi Klein is an investigative journalist. She's Canadian, and she takes huge issues that like that she's interested about. She travels the world learns about them, and then produces them in fairly dense books. I think that would be my one criticism, is that these books are fairly dense, which makes mm. them not necessarily... Digestible to the public, the yeah, common man. Yeah, and she writes about such important topics, particularly this one about climate change. She's revealing a lot of information that, although it might be public, it's not necessarily in the public eye. 
And I think that it's a topic that should be made easily accessible to the common everyday person. And I read a lot and I have a hard time getting through it. You know, I've had this book for two weeks and I'm not even halfway through because I can only read one or two chapters at a time. It's very dense. Right. Regardless, um, it's a fairly depressing book because the numbers, I think, are astounding. And even though I'm someone who comes from a fairly liberal, like, eco-friendly-minded family, Mm -hmm. this was something that was a shock to me. It's a very well-informed, well-researched book. I'm still getting through it. But I think, like, you know, the main point of the book you can get from the introduction is that you have to, we have to take action now. And the main roadblock in between our societies making changes to saving the environment is um, capitalism and this idea that we need to consume more, we need to make more money, we need to privatize things in order to make more money, we need to remove all trade regulations so that things can be cheaper because we're ordering them from China. And she's, you know, that's the mentality and that's the reality of our economy, our global economy. But she also recognizes that this is a near impossible task because how can you change sort of what has become inherent in our society, which is capitalism? Right. And I think we've talked about this before. And admittedly, I have not read her book, so it's hard for me to necessarily present like a counterargument. And I don't think I'm... I wouldn't call this a counter-argument. Um, but I kind of think that there... Because, you know, like, the big... I think the biggest hindrance to not even reversing, but stopping, stalling climate change uh, is inaction on inaction, the, yeah. behalf of the public. Um, but I really feel like at this point, given just the power of such big corporations and wealthy individuals, I think in order to make a real change... And I don't know if I want to say this, because I would consider myself, you know, like a more of a, I don't want to describe myself as a socialist or like a populist, but I certainly think that, you know, like grassroots movements and people truly can be the change that they want to see in the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I really feel like at this stage, the way towards change is to somehow leverage the power of the private sector. And I think maybe the only way to do that is to get people in government that are able to regulate it. Yeah. But I guess that really relates back to the people because you need people to elect the people into positions of power in the government and the government then to regulate the private sector and wealthy individuals. And I think one of her points in this book is that there isn't really a lot of time to waffle about it, you know, and, like, wait for the next election. Which is, I mean, like, true, but, like... You know, yeah. is exactly. that a realistic stance? I, you know, there are no well, huge public announcements saying, like, if we do not I don't know cut how, our emissions by 10% starting next year, there's no turning back. I don't know how true that is, though, because you have things like an inconvenient truth, which, like, essentially tried to do that, is try to convey these facts and these figures to people in a, in a, in a digestible it made, fashion. That made a huge, like... That made waves when it came out. I think you need somebody like a like a charismatic. I'm always a fan of like charismatic leaders as catalysts of movements. Mm-hmm. People will disagree, but that's my theory. Um, I think what you need, sorry, Al Gore, because I guess you could describe him as a charismatic <laughs> leader that attempted to be a catalyst. Um, somebody that's like, look, guys, the way to you know stopping climate change is not to necessarily like shut off the lights or take the bus. The way to stop this is to talk to your leaders, the people in power, because reality is that you influence that. But I think, I think with climate change, it's not it's not like a grassroots movement for individuals to change their actions. I think you need to change the actions of the people that are really in power. Sorry to be cynical here, but like the private sector, no, the wealthy totally individuals. That's, it's yeah. a complex issue. 
entertainment baby feminists. Yes. Love me some Amanda Stenberg mm-hmm. and some Willow Smith. Yeah. Also, like, shout out to Tommy Gevinson, Kieran Shipka. Just, like, that little group that I, like, stalk on Instagram. Am I too old to be part of that? Like, it's unclear. No, I feel like I'm an outsider. I was really excited when I was reading the article, and I was like, this is great, because I watched The Hunger Games, and I was reading... To be clear, the article you're talking about is the Dazed Magazine yes. interview that Amanda Stenberg gave. Yes. What I really like about Willow and her brother... Good. First name basis. basis. Yes, Willow and Jayden. I. Jaden. Sometimes I call her Will, for sure. I'm like, hey, Will. You know, um, <laughs> no, okay, what I really like about um, Willow in this article that I was reading that Which featured, is ID magazine. Yeah, that featured a lot of large photos was that... Here, of Willow. Yeah, of Willow. Um, was that here's a young girl who is doing something really, really different and not caring yes. what other people think because, like, you know, growing up as a girl, having a younger sister, growing up with all of my younger sister's friends... There is this huge pressure to conform. You know, oh, first yeah. day of middle school, your biggest horror is that you'll be wearing something that no one else is wearing and people will think you're weird. And in all of these photos, Willow Smith is just wearing these bizarre things that maybe don't Although, even make sense. potentially like, don't use the word bizarre, because I was going to say I've always described Willow Smith endearingly, to clarify, as just like a lovable weirdo. Like, yeah. Well, just I mean, out of this world, sort of nuts. And I want to take that back, because after reading the article... And, like, I should not, you know, these are sort of, like, pejorative and, like, but just, trailblazer. Like, yeah, and being such an individual. And yes. something that she talks about, I think, which sets her apart from a lot of other artists is she says, you know, I don't really conform to one to one genre. I couldn't tell you exactly what all of my songs mean or what all of my lyrics. It's just whatever comes into my head and it doesn't necessarily have to have a deeper meaning. It's just It's just how I feel at the time and that's what my music is and I don't care if it's not super popular or if not a lot of people are listening to it, I'm just creating it because that's what I love. Right. And I really admire that, and especially in somebody so young, to have such direction and to be so self, self-confident self just in in your identity. Yeah, which I think, yeah, is, I think, so, I don't want to say refreshing, because, you know, no, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I don't, I'm not exposed to it. You know, I just think that they're, now I'm going to talk about my confusion with Tumblr, but I think both are avid users, at least Amanda Stenberg has a Tumblr page. So I've heard, hard for me to personally attest to it because I do not know how to use Tumblr. Am I an old person? Um, Has this boat passed? I can no longer be part of, like, this new wave of, like, baby feminists? Am I not a baby feminist? Our third roommate, Weiwei, sent me in a text message a link to a Tumblr page. And you were like... I had no idea what to do. I think it was something to do with, like, a cat, a <laughs> cradle, like, somebody had Well, it sounds like you saw it. It's like, oh, yeah, I could see it, but I just had no... I had no idea where to go I'm just so there. confused by Tumblr. I was talking to Weiwei, shout out to her third roommate again, about Tumblr, because she... I always see her on Tumblr, or what I believe to be Tumblr on her She's phone. She's clearly much more, like, hip and in tune to And it's like, yeah. here I'm like, I want to be... Like, one of the articles, I probably about, like, Amanda Stenberg, was talking... Like was likening her kind of like posse of some not similarly minded but similarly active um, in like social movement. Her like group of girls um, as like liking it to like nineteen sixties sort of like art movements. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to be like living in this time and being like <laughs> engaged in this. And I'm like, oh my god, am I actually like a dinosaur? And because I can't understand Tumblr, am I just missing it? And, I mean, whatever. That's a different thing. If someone wants to send me a lengthy explanation of Tumblr, also Reddit. We're, like, missing. We are the age of people that are supposed to really be 
like benefiting well, from the yeah. the I mean, merits of the internet. Just for listeners, just to clarify, like we are avid users of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. So People are like rolling are their like, eyes because they're already popular, more popular social media platforms. Okay, well, I'm just saying it's not like we're totally I'm inept trying. on social media. I'm trying. I was thinking about downloading Grouped. You know, be grouped. Is this Khloe Kardashian? Yeah, Khloe Kardashian's app. Well, I don't think people are quite on this, but that's good. You're on the cusp of it. You're going to yeah, learn how to use it. that's what I'm saying. You know, like trailblazing. Okay, but I think the here's the issue with Be Grouped, at least. People probably don't know what it is. I don't fully know what it is. Is It really sounds like you need the engagement of all of your friends like to get the app for it to be effective. Yeah. So I question... If that's a good it's like idea. If you happen to be super popular and have a large group of friends that you frequently do things with, this app is great because not only can you send messages, you can also take polls, put up schedules, you're really for promoting RSVPs. it. Maeve actually works for Chloe Kardashian. I, yeah. Used. Honestly, here's my thing. Both on just, you know, I'm going to even say on a visceral level, I love consuming that sort of pop culture. It's just entertaining. There's a reason that the majority of America is well-versed in the going-ons of the Kardashians. It's because it's entertaining. But I also think it's important for everybody, even if you're going to, you know, only be interested in Bernie Sanders and climate change, not to make this personal, Maeve. Um, But I think it's important for you to understand what the masses are consuming because it really tells you about, like, the Kardashians are very influential people. Yeah. Wanna be Kim Kardashian? Hey. Heard I was living like a bachelor. Woo. I don't got no type. Nah. Bad bitches is the only thing that I like. Yeah, Taylor Swift. Um, mixed feelings about that power lady, which is I think an apt description. I would agree. I would. Here's my. And now I'm gonna tread lightly, but maybe I shouldn't because you're pretty open to this. No, you should. Maybe- I would describe myself as a super fan and mm-hmm. all things music related, but in terms of like her, I know all about her personal life. Yeah, I feel that way about most celebrities. So sorry, celebrities. Uh, that's all I care about is the lives of celebrities, not the artwork you're producing. But I just oh, like to know no, what's no, no, going no. on with you. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> okay. Uh, here's the thing with Taylor Swift. She has got, she's gotten, like, some flack and some support, some mixed reviews about just various interactions. We have, like, her issue with Nicki Minaj. We have her whole Apple Music thing. Like, Taylor Swift is just in the spotlight. And I think that that is engineered by Taylor Swift. So, Taylor Swift, power lady, because all press is good press. Uh, She's got it down. But here, what I think you want to talk about is Taylor Swift's phenomenon of bringing just other power ladies to the stage at her 1989 tour. There's this video parody that this girl made, which I oh, truly wish that I had made it. I not- also wish that I had made it because I think not only could I do a great Taylor Swift impression after years and years of watching every single video that she's ever made, it's also just hilarious. It's so funny. The thing is, is that I think, like, this really the most outrageous guests that she brought up were Joan Baez <laughs> and Juliet Roberts. And by the way, if I was in the crowd, I would have, like, lost my shit. Like, that would have been pretty cool to see Joan yeah. Baez and Julia Roberts. Although, I think the pattern is she just brings these women up to the stage. She brought the entire U.S. women's soccer team. Yeah. I mean, like, but the thing is, is that they she just, like, makes them awkwardly dance down the stage to her song, and then they leave, and I think I would be, like, Really? I feel incredibly awkward. I am feeling awkward. Maybe they don't. Um, but the here's the thing. thing. What are you going to say? I'm say? The other thing about the tour, as someone who, um, without shame, attended a concert I don't think you should be ashamed. I'm 100% not ashamed. It was the best experience of my life. When she first came on stage, I definitely cried real tears. Okay. Um, We've all been there. Is that the majority of this concert, unlike other concerts that I've been to, which are, I'd say, 90% music, maybe 10% 
talking and like visual aspects like fireworks. I would say this concert was more like 60-40. 60% music, 40% videos on the big screen of Taylor's friends talking about friendship, how Taylor is such a great friend, how she's such a great person, how she's so inspiring. And then interspersed with random videos of Taylor featuring her two cats, which is like great, who doesn't want to see her cats. But it sort of, for me, as someone who would be a self-described huge Taylor Swift fan, I was getting sick of like, why are you watching all these videos? Why is she talking for so long in between every song? And I don't really care about like what Selena Gomez thinks about her. Okay, so this this brings us to an interesting point. By the way, that's weird in and of itself. That I don't care what's going to No. <laughs> that she shows videos of people being like, Taylor's a great person. <laughs> like, that's pretty weird. I mean, I wasn't there, but it sounds like a weird experience. There are also a lot of um, videos of, like, the secret 1989 release parties that she hosted, which just, I think, made everybody in the audience feel very resentful that they were um, not invited to those. That's a little also weird. But this brings me to the point about, uh, Taylor's friendships, and here's the thing, is I, I, I want to tread lightly, not because you're a super fan, but because I firmly believe in shine theory, building other women up. I sort of think her friendships, and there are myriad of articles written about this, are kind of manufactured, which, you know, to one extent, I think is fine, because she's trying to build herself up, you know, it's I think this is a great, it was a great, like, PR campaign, because you had Taylor Swift's reputation of just being, like, a serial dater, which is horrible that people painted her that way, and then suddenly it was like, oh, no, 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 I'm on a sabbatical for men, and I am going to surround myself by, with, like, literally any, like, female celebrity, like, we're all going to throw parties, and it's going to be great, and I think that's great on her part. Uh, I do think it's important to note the lack of diversity in her friends. She did find one token black friend, Soraya, (laughs) from Empire, a great show, by the way, can't wait for season two, um, so that's pretty funny that, uh, I guess you could sort of say Zendaya, because she was in the Bad Blood video Kendra Lamar is maybe a token black friend of Taylor Swift, but I'm not going to describe them as friends because uh, no, I, I have yet to see... cameo into the uh, Taylor Swift music look, world. Look, I have yet to see uh, the Instagram photo of Kendrick Lamar and Taylor Swift barbecuing in Martha's Vineyard. True. I Until I see that photo, I'm not going to call them friends. And I don't think they are friends. Um, I follow both of them on Instagram. Honestly, where is the photo of Kendrick Lamar in, like, a swan, like, pool floaty? That's what I wanted to see. Uh, whatever. Or, like, Kendrick Lamar giving Calvin Harris a piggyback ride. Whatever. Uh, oh, speaking of Calvin Harris, today I read a really interesting article about... It was actually featuring Calvin Harris and also Zane from One Direction. Oh, I know. They had a Twitter feud. Yeah, over Taylor wow, Swift. Wow, let's just talk about Zane. Uh, I think he's really trying let's to talk like, about Zane. Let's talk about Zane. Where's our like Zane theme music here? It's just Zane hitting all the high notes in One Direction songs. Uh, I think he talking about like PR rebranding. I think here's my theory. Zane is picking a lot of fights on Twitter with people, and I think it's because he's trying to like merge into like the hip hop R and B scene. And I think people want him to like toughen up because I think when he was with One Direction, he totally had the reputation of being like the sensitive guy mm-hmm. with the long eyelashes oh, and yeah. that like chiseled cheekbones who called his mom all the time. Anyway, so he had like this reputation of being like the sensitive guy, and now all of a sudden, it's like every day Zayn is picking a fight with a different person, picking fights with Calvin Harris <laughs> over. Taylor Swift, <laughs> and like it all, I yeah, and he's like just doing some weird stuff, and people are like, "What are you doing, Zane?" And I think it's like he's trying to be the bad boy, hmm. which I think that'll work for him. 
Honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, yeah, anything to do with Zane. I mean, it's I can't draw insane amounts of publicity. Yeah. so really, we'll hear about what it. What I really can't wait for is I saw speaking of Twitter interactions with Zane, <laughs> we're trying to balance out the time that we talk about like political issues with how much we talk about Zane. Um, <laughs> Is that Tyler, the creator, tweeted to him and was like, possibly they had like a brief spat, but then Tyler, the creator, tweeted and was like, yo, we should make music together, I make sick beats and you have a sick voice, and Zane was like, yeah, definitely, man. Oh, mind blown. Like, that. Great. What a great collaboration. I can't even. Like, that is, ugh. Cause you and I. one of the most relevant things happening in the world is everything politics because DC is 100% about everything politics. Yeah, whatever. But I think on that note, we can talk about the presidential election of 2016. Most important news being that you can now buy Bernie Sanders workout tank tops featuring Bernie Sanders riding a variety of magical creatures, including unicorns. That is, that is the most important news. In all seriousness, um, aside from having t-shirts featuring unicorns, I think um, something that Bernie Sanders has going for him is that his campaign is completely different than any campaign that's ever been run successfully before, and his campaign is doing it incredibly, I would argue, incredibly successfully. I think a recent poll showed that he actually pulled ahead in New Hampshire and is not yet ahead in Iowa, but I think that's unsurprising. Bernie Bernie Sanders, I think that's true. He truly is leading like a a very populist campaign. I'm curious to see if that Facebook page that was created to try to get what is it, a hundred thousand people to say that they're attending a rally on the mall for Bernie Sanders. Um and I think right now they're probably at like sixty five thousand. And I think the goal of the Facebook organizer is that if once they reach a hundred thousand, they'll contact his campaign to give a speech. In case um, anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, this is a Facebook event called Bernie Sanders Enough is Enough Rally, 100,000 RSVPs needed. Get enough RSVPs will submit to Bernie's campaign for endorsement and coordination. So basically, this is an imaginary event well, it's a, they're hoping will become an event based yeah. on... Um, How many people have RSVP'd? Let me see. Basically, all of my Facebook friends. 72,000 people are going. Okay. 7.2 thousand people said maybe. <laughs> Well, well then, there you so, go. There you yeah. have it. Who knows? I mean, I think that is really just, like, demonstrative of his whole campaign mentality. You have a lot, and this is, I've expressed some trepidations about Bernie Sanders in the past, which is where he really has the support of a lot of college-age liberals, a lot of really ardent liberal supporters are agree, really in yeah. his corner. I have said uh, at the beginning of his campaign, and now I think less so because he's getting better at this, um, that he really does need to attract the black vote and minority votes, yeah. which he hasn't um, in the past had like a good track record of that. But I will say that he has done a very good job of like consciously integrating um, whether it's like the Black Lives Matter movement into his uh, campaign platform and his policy ideas. So I think that is like an admirable thing. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that in the beginning of his campaign, he didn't sort of like come out of the gates 
so to speak, with a really strong stance yeah. on that because that is something that has been so relevant in exactly. not just this year, yeah. but for the past several years and because his campaign appeals so much, like you said, to a younger generation because he talks about affordable college and a lot of things like that, you know, closing the wealth gap. And it's unfortunate that he hasn't taken a vocal stance on that because when you look at his voting record and you look at what he's done in the past and I think 32 years that he's been in government, I mean, he's pretty old. Um, he's an old guy. Yeah. It's unfortunate that he didn't vocalize the work that he's done. And then I know in the beginning of his campaign, when people asked him about it, his response was, look at my voting record. That's not a good enough response. If you're running for president, you need to have something right. substantive to respond and say, this is what I'm going to do for our minority exactly. populations. And this is exactly what I'm going to do about this huge problem that's been right. plaguing our society. I think the thing with Bernie Sanders, and this is a phenomenon that we're also seeing with Donald Trump, is that those are two candidates that I think are getting a lot of voters that are just angry with the current political system. Trump is like, you know, everyone is like surprised, maybe a little embarrassed as a country that he has, you know, become an actual contender for president. I know we're not going to like really share political views, but I think everybody probably can agree that things that Donald Trump says are outrageous. Oh, I think even if you are of conservative ideology. The one thing he has going for him that a lot of people see as a good thing is that he's not a politician. So people think that, well, he may be crazy and want Mexico to pay for a wall, but he has not necessarily been entrenched in all the political, you know, bureaucracy stuff that's been going on that people like Bernie Sanders who have been in you know, 32 years in government have that in their backgrounds. Right. Yeah. So it's a crazy time. Uh, also, just related to Republicans, is a recent uh, Paul Krugman article in the New York Times that was talking about the phenomenon of Republican candidates who oppose Social Security or, like, w- wanting to raise the age of retirement and cut benefits, which was, like, truly, and I know that we're trying not to, you know, intersperse our ideologies into this is kind of a horrifying thing because the point of the article is that you know even among republicans just everyone in the country supports social security and supports having like a low retirement age but these candidates fueled by just like crazy wealthy donors yeah are like you know supporting this policy idea which goes completely against yeah almost all of them Also trending on Republican Twitter um, is a video of Marco Rubio hitting a kid in the face by accident. I'm sorry, what is Republican Twitter? With a football. Okay, not like the Republican (laughs) Twitter. um, In the realm of Twitter regarding Republicans, trending today was a bit... This just shows you how much free time I have at work. Just pretend there is a Republican Twitter and you are in. Like, you're... (laughs) I'm in the Republican Twitter. You've integrated yourself. You're deep in the hole. I like that. I think that would be very concerning to my close friends. You got, like, no. But, like, you got the inside scoop. You're infiltrating it. Okay, well, on the inside scoop is that Marco Rubio actually hit a kid in the face with a football. The video is hilarious. So Marco Rubio, obviously, he knew the kid. They were just kind of playing football together on, like, a break from a campaign or something. And he apologized profusely, got up on stage and apologized for it. The end of this article concluded that if it had been Donald Trump who would hit the kid in the face with a football, he would have gotten up and made a speech about how the kid needed to have faster hands. And that was the problem with our education system is that we were not teaching kids to do this. And I just thought, how appropriate.
Can we talk about Haley Steinfeld's? Can we say this? Is it okay? Haley Steinfeld's masturbation song, which, by the way, is my top choice for song of the summer. I would have to strongly disagree, and I would say that song of the summer hands down goes to Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar. Regarding Haley Steinfeld's song, it's so Hell, good. Oh my! God. I had heard it. I sort of God, to it. God bless her. But until I like, until you had, and until I saw like in written downs, like in word, written word, Haley Steinfeld's masturbation song. And I went back and listened to it. It didn't really occur to me, but after listening to it, dude, in, in the music context, video, in the music video, she's wearing a bodysuit that says "self service." Also hilarious. This girl like just turned eighteen. Uh, power to her. I am just blown away that. I want to look up the writing credits. Did she write the song? Did some, like, pervy producer write it for her? <laughs> but she's, like, so confident. I mean, like, firstly, a great, to, like, clarify, it was, it's called Love Myself. Mm-hmm. It's a masturbation song. And, like, by the way, if you listen to the lyrics, we're going to play it at the end of this segment. It's such a catchy song. It's very um, catchy. Very catchy. I was reading this article, and it was, like, uh... Everyone's going to love it because, like, moms are going to listen to it and they're going to be, like, great, body positive. I'm just like, how can you not listen to it and be like, she's talking about masturbating? But in my defense, the reason I didn't hear it the first time, I guess it's because I wasn't really paying attention to the words. Yeah, it's like a poppy. And I follow her on Instagram, so I had seen Mm -hmm. all of her pictures promoting it about, like, love myself. And she had lots of different people, you know, having, like, signs that say, I love myself. And so in the back of my head, I was really thinking, you know, along the body image lines. Like a Demi Lovato style thing, like, appreciate who you are. Uh, Let's talk about Demi Lovato, too. Actually, let's just talk about this as, like, a wave of female artists that are just going there. Like, Demi Lovato's cool for the summer. Sorry we didn't even mention it as summer song. That is potentially a good contender for summer song. Oh yeah, I love that song. Like, there's a thing. Unlike Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl, and I have to credit an article I read somewhere that makes this comparison, because these aren't original thoughts. Um, (laughs) But unlike Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl, however long ago that was, where it's like, you know, experimenting with like lesbian, whatever, lover type thing. Katy Perry's is like, just to be clear, I have a boyfriend, and this is just, like, a fun face. Demi Lovato's like, what is it, like, taste of the cherry, want to take a bite, whatever. She's, like, going for it. So I, like, props to Demi Lovato, Haley Steinfeld, talk about being bisexual, talk about masturbating. And these are, like, young girls. Well, Haley Steinfeld, at least. Haley Steinfeld is very young. And, I, I mean, Demi Lovato, I think, has been in the public eye for so long, I can't even remember the first thing that I saw her in. I think it was oh yeah, she Cam was Disney Disney Channel. Yeah, Sunny and, with a Chance, and she has she's really, gone through a lot. Yeah, and but turned it around to become, I would argue, a really good public figure and like a role model yeah. for young girls, not just on body images. Oh body yeah, image, but on a lot of issues. And so I think, like good for her for like taking you know like having this song where it's like yeah. you know let's get rid of like the taboos here and like no I agree.
So this has been the pilot episode of Bottom Shelf. I like how you said that. Uh, thank you for listening. For information on anything we talked about, look below the podcast for a variety of links. Feel free to comment. Do you want to start a feud with us on Twitter? I am so into that. Please tweet at us. Please start a Twitter feud with us. Just a little spat. (laughs) Um, So thanks for listening. I'm Sophia. And I'm Maeve. And this is Bottom Shelf.